Ready to revolutionize your customer experience? Then look no further than NICE, the global leader in cloud CX software for self-service and agent-assisted customer interactions. Imagine achieving lightning-fast customer resolutions all thanks to the power of unlimited scalability and flexibility of one complete cloud CX solution. With NICE's cutting-edge CX1 platform, you can join thousands of organizations around the globe who are already transforming customer experience in the cloud. Now that's a pretty good company, but NICE is more than just a robust cloud CX platform. Its dedication to continuous innovation ensures that you stay ahead of the competition. With NICE and CX1, it's never been easier to create exceptional customer experiences. Get started by visiting NICE.com. Explore the world's most complete cloud-native customer experience platform, CX1. Visit NICE.com. NICE. Cloud-powered CX at scale. Ready to revolutionize your customer experience? Then look no further than NICE, the global leader in cloud CX software for self-service and agent-assisted customer interactions. Imagine achieving lightning-fast customer resolutions all thanks to the power of unlimited scalability and flexibility of one complete cloud CX solution. With NICE's cutting-edge CX1 platform, you can join thousands of organizations around the globe who are already transforming customer experience in the cloud. Now that's a pretty good company, but NICE is more than just a robust cloud CX platform. Its dedication to continuous innovation ensures that you stay ahead of the competition. With NICE and CX1, it's never been easier to create exceptional customer experiences. Get started by visiting NICE.com. Explore the world's most complete cloud-native customer experience platform, CX1. Visit NICE.com. NICE, cloud-powered CX at scale. Ready to revolutionize your customer experience? Then look no further than NICE, the global leader in cloud CX software for self-service and agent-assisted customer interactions. Imagine achieving lightning-fast customer resolutions all thanks to the power of unlimited scalability and flexibility of one complete cloud CX solution. With NICE's cutting-edge CX1 platform, you can join thousands of organizations around the globe who are already transforming customer experience in the cloud. Now that's a pretty good company, but NICE is more than just a robust cloud CX platform. Its dedication to continuous innovation ensures that you stay ahead of the competition. With NICE and CX1, it's never been easier to create exceptional customer experiences. Get started by visiting NICE.com. Explore the world's most complete cloud-native customer experience platform, CX1. Visit NICE.com. NICE, cloud-powered CX at scale. Ready to revolutionize your customer experience? Then look no further than NICE, the global leader in cloud CX software for self-service and agent-assisted customer interactions. Imagine achieving lightning-fast customer resolutions all thanks to the power of unlimited scalability and flexibility of one complete cloud CX solution. With NICE's cutting-edge CX1 platform, you can join thousands of organizations around the globe who are already transforming customer experience 
experience in the cloud. Now that's a pretty good company. But NICE is more than just a robust cloud CX platform. Its dedication to continuous innovation ensures that you stay ahead of the competition. With NICE and CX1, it's never been easier to create exceptional customer experiences. Get started by visiting NICE.com. Explore the world's most complete cloud-native customer experience platform, CX1. Visit NICE.com. NICE. Cloud-powered. CX at scale. of their own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-host, Linda Surovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. Did you just say 148? I did. Oh, Lord. <laughs> pretty, um, pretty fitting, then, what we have to talk about. It's true. Um, so it, it feels like we last recorded 80 years ago, uh, but it was really only two weeks ago. But like Mets years. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> but a lot can happen in two weeks. Um, namely, everything started w- with uh, Jacob deGrom signing a five year, one hundred eighty five million dollar deal with the Texas Rangers. Um, yeah, so that's uh, we're on episode one hundred and forty eight and we are talking about the departure of number forty eight for the Mets. Um, now. The Mets offer to DeGrom was reportedly three years, 120 million or somewhere in that range. Um, And they were not really given a chance to counter by DeGrom's people. It was basically like they made that initial offer and then DeGrom talked to Texas and got that offer from Texas and basically signed with Texas. Um, And it was at the time very painful. I mean, I'm I still like, experiencing some pain, but yeah, I'm, I'm like, pro- like going through all at first. I didn't even think it was real because to me, he always seemed so competitive that I always thought the Rangers was a joke. Like they're, they were so bad last year that I was like, he'll never go there. They have no chance of winning. So when I saw the alert come through. I was like, somebody got punked by a fake pass and tweet. And then I had to keep rereading it. I was like, no. And then I was like, wait, that doesn't say Mets. It actually says Rangers. Like it, my brain just wasn't, wasn't comprehending it at first because it just, it made no sense. Yeah. It was weird. Like, obviously the writing was on the wall because like we talked about this last time. Um, that the Rangers were a team that had leaked interest in DeGrom early in the offseason, except they were already doing the preemptive we tried. And so I kind yeah. of thought that they had fallen off the radar. Yeah. And like it just, it just didn't, it just didn't seem like a fit, like at the time. At the time. Yeah. And like, I still, I think I'm going through all my, my stages of grief because like you said there was there was a lot of sadness yeah and I'm I'm not I haven't moved on to acceptance quite yet and I don't know I don't know like I just feel betrayed at this point I'm, I'm on anger I've moved on to anger yeah I don't know I feel like 
I mean, we'll we'll talk about everything that's happened since then, but it does help that like the Mets have given us a lot to be excited about in the interim to make us feel better because if this had been like a previous iteration of the Mets, if this had been the Wilpon Mets, like this would have happened and nothing exciting would have happened to make us feel any better. And I would have just been stewing. (laughs) Yeah, I would have just been stewing about this the whole off season. So I, I've been sort of distracted away from thinking about it, but I feel like opening day is going to come. He's not going to be on the mound. And then I'm going to be sad again, even yeah. even if no matter what happens, even though the Mets are still very, a very exciting team, um, probably going to contend again. Uh, I just uh, it'll still hit me, I think, again, um, that he's not part of it. And I think that's also what would suck too. they signed Verlander and I don't I don't care. I really don't. Like, I know I get it's the move they had to make, but I think, like, I was just so sad and angry that, like, Verlander means nothing. Like, I get people were excited, and I get you can be excited about it, and he was the Rosal Young last year, but to me, he's still not the one I wanted. And, like, if they had signed Verlander before maybe I would be more excited, but it's just, it's hard, hard to feel that right now. I don't know. I mean, I'm like, I, and like there's, what actually surprised me is that they're actually selling his jersey in women's sizes. Well, I was like, okay, so improvement there, but there you go. It it just, it didn't mean anything to me. Like, why would I buy this? He's going to be here for what three years tops maybe maybe yeah two years with maybe a third year i was like uh, i have no investment in justin verlander like uh, you, you will real quick if they win a world series I, was say, yeah, I will be lining up when they get a ring sure but right now i don't know like i just it didn't it was hard feeling that level of excitement that i probably should in a normal off season. And like I said, Steve Cohen had to make the move and it was the correct move to make, I think. But still it was, it was just like, there's just like this like cloud <laughs> hanging over the off season now for me anyway. It's, I mean, in his introductory press conference, as a ranger. I mean, I didn't watch it because I don't talk I didn't either. I that way. Yeah. No, um, but I mean, not. I know, I know what happened because people wrote about it. Um, he cited a shared goal of winning a world series. He said like the Rangers, I like what they're building here. They want to win a world series. I want to w- want to win a world series, which is like, and he cited that as like part of the reason he, he went there, which like, I like, I know it's what you have to say, yeah, but I've got to just like, are like, do you believe that? Do you really, honest to God, believe that? I was gonna say, like, don't spit in my face and tell me it's raining. Like, don't insult our intelligence, please. Like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a flat out lie. At least yeah. make something believable He's or make lying. it sound. Belie- they won sixty nine games. He's lying. Um, and like, predictably, what has happened now, and it has made the whole thing like, again. Like, I can't even properly emotionally, 
process everything of like our franchise player leaving because again th- this is our franchise player this is this the the yeah. second best pitcher we've ever had besides Tom Seaver on the Mets period um I can't even process that guy not being a lifetime Met because of course the second he walks out the door the New York media is already bashing him in various yeah. ways and it's like I thought we were over this. Like, I thought that we I thought that the Wilpon Mets were done and that we don't do this anymore and that we're like a better organization than this. Now, listen, I mean, it's not the team doing this before. It was like the media acting through the team almost like it's not the team doing this, really, although the relationship between DeGrom and the team had soured. And that's part of the reason why he's gone. Um, But like. Some of it is like legitimate gripes. Like some of the stuff that's been reported is like stuff that legitimately raises eyebrows. Like the fact that DeGrom was bemoaning like, quote, northern masking and vaccine rules. The fact that he I mean, I don't know if that's just John Heyman's wording. John Heyman's the one that wrote that article. I don't know if it's just John Heyman's wording or if it's actually DeGrom's wording. But that's like very like um war of northern aggression yes like type shit like that's confederacy language and it's very very weird to me um i mean listen jacob Degrom is a deland florida man i we we should not be under any illusions about what his politics are um but when i don't know about it i can at least feign ignorance (laughs) I'd rather just simply not know how DeGrom feels about these things but now these things that we may have always suspected to be true we know to be true about his feelings about the vaccine about masks about COVID in general which like okay yeah that makes me feel sad and pretty pissed off because it's selfish to like your your teammate is a cancer survivor sir yeah Yeah. um which like okay that makes me upset, but like on one hand, yeah, I, I'm glad I know this or like I'm I'm glad I know this. I'm not actually glad I know this, but in one on one hand, I'm kind of glad I know this. But on the other hand, like, why'd you wait until he was out the door to report that? Yeah. You could have you could have had a backbone and reported that while he was still on the Mets, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, clearly you had the information. You're in the locker room every day. Right. Like. This is this is clearly information that John Heyman knew before because uh-huh. he was talking about how like he would bemoan these things or he was talking about these like that didn't come up all of a sudden. We've been in no. a pandemic since March of 2020. We're on year three of the pandemic now. Like we're about to hit the third year anniversary of the pandemic. Like Oof. you've known this information for a long time and you are choosing now to report it. That's so like, yeah, I'm not happy about this knowing this information but i also think that makes john Heyman a coward yeah yeah i could say especially knowing like you said that cookie is can or had cancer he's compromised yep and i mean like Degrom's far from the only unvaccinated met we know this yeah. we know that the mets were one of the least vaccinated teams in the league but it doesn't help when I mean, I know DeGrom is never like a a frontline leader guy and didn't ask for this, but like you're, whether you want it or not, you were one of the leaders on the team. Yeah. And you did not set an example in this regard. Um, But like it went, it, it wasn't just that stuff though, which like, you know, is, is legitimate information that fans like should know about a player maybe. 
it, but it's stretched into like stuff that like, why do you care about this? Which is like, there were other reports like Buster only wrote an article where he talked about like how DeGrom didn't pal around with his teammates and he was often by himself on the bus and stuff like that. It's like, I don't care about that shit. No. And also, like, like you said, we it seemed somewhere it seemed the relationship broke. Um, I don't know if it was when Sandy revealed the UCL tear or if it was before that, but maybe he was just preparing himself to leave and he didn't want to get close to anybody or, you know, these, yeah. he wasn't there for a good portion of the seasons. There are a lot of new faces. That wasn't his team anymore. The other yeah. guys he knew were gone. Max was gone. Syndergaard was gone. David Wright was gone. He's just not his friends anymore. This wasn't like, it was like, you know, when you graduate high school and you go back to visit your like, well, like your school, you know, the, the juniors and sophomores that you had seen, you know, but you're not like, you'll say hi to them, but you're not going to hang out with them. Like it's, it's different after you leave and come back. Well, he didn't leave, but he was gone. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, why do I care? <laughs> I'm not, I don't have to hang out with him. I'm not in the clubhouse. <laughs> like, okay. So like at, at worst, he was a little antisocial. Like who cares? Like, it well, just- and also I don't, I don't buy that a hundred percent either because Mike Puma tweeted that after Buck won manager of the year, Jake left him a voicemail saying, thank you for changing the clubhouse culture. Yeah. And he said he, he left him like a really heartfelt voicemail. And I was like, so I, I don't know. I don't know what to believe or buy. Yeah. I, and like, if you want to ask the cynic in me about that, I don't know how much of that was like either like a play on his part, like, or his agent or like to try to like, get the Mets to like make him an offer or like but Buck's not the guy to go through for yeah, that. Yeah, I know. But, or if it was like, maybe he, he was preparing to also say goodbye. Like he yeah. knew that this was the last time he was going to talk to him. So I don't know. It, it sucks. I mean, like, yeah, a lot has happened since then. We're about to cover all that, but like <laughs> it's, it it still is sad when your franchise player walks. There's like no way around it. You can replace him however you want. You can argue that the the wins, like if you just add up the wars, <laughs> it's gonna be like as good of a team. Sure, I can buy that. But it's it's Degrom is not replaceable emotionally no. from a fan <laughs> perspective. It's not. He's not replaceable. Like he was our guy. Um, well, and it sucks because. He's the reason I found Amazing Avenue. Like, I fell in love with him. And like a kid, I wanted to read, like, everything possible. Like, every article ever written. And Amazing Avenue just happened to write an article about him in 2015. And I stumbled upon it. And then I just kept reading Amazing Avenue after that. And... I got laid off in 2015, the day the Mets lost the World Series. And, you know, I found a new, our jobs become our identity. And 
like I found a new home. I found a new place to belong after losing my other job. I found a new group of people to belong to. And I ended up applying. My first article was about Jacob deGrom. It was in 2018. I did his whole series tracking his every start. Um, Well, on the way to the Cy Young, I knew every stat that he had, every stat Scherzer had, every stat Nola had. I could probably still recite the stats because I literally tracked every start. And for it to, like, to be so invested for so long and for it to just be over and also kind of meant nothing at the, at the end. Like, it seemed like he didn't care. Like, I don't know. It just... Like, my cat is named Jake. Like, I <laughs> way too much emotionally. Because, again, that was after I got laid off. And then this little cat wanders into my life and, you know, made me smile again. And it was, I named him after my favorite players. And I was stuck with a cat named Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't take away, like, what he did give us. Um, I mean, like, my only authentic jersey that I have is DeGrom and that's going to stay true. I think for a long time, because there's not going to be another Met who rises to that level. I mean, I guess I think Lindor like will get there um, as far as yeah. like legacy on the Mets, like that level, like wanting to own an authentic Jersey, or but I already have a Lindor replica Jersey. So I don't know if I'm going to get <laughs> an authentic Jersey also, but we'll see. <laughs> and, and like, I, I get another vice Pete. Pete's a goober. If you offer money, he'll stay. Like <laughs> they should extend Pete Alonzo, by the way. Yes, they should. I mean, I know that like it's so like everybody's bringing that up in the in light of like Degrom walking because like you know the like it just goes to show that like you can't take your franchise players for granted. Like you should probably lock them up, and they should extend Pete Alonzo. Like he should be the franchise player now. Well, we said it last year when he was high on life, Pete Alonso, he would have signed anything. <laughs> yeah, I know. They should have done it last year, but they should. <laughs> the best time still remain like the, the best time to do it was last year. The second best time to do it is now. <laughs> and the, the second best time to do it will always be now until they do it. <laughs> Exactly. And they're like, now it's good. His price tag probably went up because he led the league in RBIs last year. Yeah, well, and he could very well lead the league in RBIs again. <laughs> yeah. Year, given like he, the team that they've assembled. He had a good year. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, it's a lot of the same dudes coming back. He's going to have all the same dudes in front of him. Yep. Um. So, I mean, okay. We, we, we've had our morning. We, we, Let's just do like uh, the rest of this is going to be like sort of timeline style because it's really hard to fathom the like short period of time that all of this happened. Because like, it all happened since we last podcasted, but it's really an even more condensed timeline than that. Because basically this is this has all happened within a week. It basically happened in a week. So on December 3rd is when DeGrom signed his deal with the Rangers. Okay. Two days after DeGrom left, December 5th, the Mets replaced him. (laughs) They signed Justin Verlander to a two-year $86.7 million deal with a vesting option for a third year. Now, I mean, obviously, we've already made the point and belabored it again. He is not, DeGrom is irreplaceable emotionally. 
If you want to just take a cold and calculating look on the field about if you just want a dollars per war, the thing who like if you ask a lot of people in the industry, which deal is better as far as like who is going to be the better pitcher over the course of their respective contracts? I think that almost all of them would say Justin Verlander. Yeah. Um, Jacob deGrom, if you look at his contract um, and you look at the uh, the terms of his option, it's the longest option term I've ever seen in my life. It's a whole paragraph. <laughs> like, basically, it's like his option vests as a player option if he's top three in the Cy Young. And, and, like, and like it goes on and on and on. And the thing that's wild about it that I don't think I've ever seen before is it specifies a UCL injury Ooh. in the option terms. Like, it's not just like, I mean, Justin Verlander, for example, in his Mets deal that he just signed has a, has a vesting option. The ve- the option vests if he pitches over, I forget the number of innings. I think it's 140 innings um, in, you know, the year before, in the second year of his contract. That's common, especially for yeah. older pitchers. Um, yeah. Injury-prone pitchers, older pitchers, some combination thereof. It's very common to have, like, if he reaches this number of innings, presumably that meant he was healthy, and so his option will vest. Um, Or he'll get a bonus or something. Um, DeGrom's option terms specified a UCL, like, if if his UCL is compromised or not. And I was like, huh. (laughs) (laughs) Very strange indeed. I was going to say the spidey senses kind of tingle with that. Yeah, I want to read the exact. I didn't actually bring it up. Like, I didn't actually bring up the option terms, but eh, I'll find it later. But yeah. like, it it you is wild. It. It's very, very specific. A, a team does not, a team and a player don't draw up that contract if they are sure of the player's health. <laughs> put it that way. Um, they have medical records for a reason they have his medicals they know what's going on the terms are very specific and i will say that's probably for a reason um whereas justin verlander's mets contract is very like typical old guy contract (laughs) i I, boilerplate that they just print out like yeah high average annual value the highest in fact high average annual value similar to scherzer um with, you know, an innings like term for his option. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, listen, Justin Verlander just won the AL Cy Young. He is old, of course, but he <laughs> he and he did have Tommy John, but he had Tommy John and he came back and he won the Cy Young. He does not have current as we as far as we know, elbow problems, whereas DeGrom has current elbow problems probably and has had like this scapula thing that like healed but did it really and we don't actually know um like I think if Justin Verlander gets hurt it's gonna be more like what happened to Max Scherzer like he might strain an oblique or something because you know his body is not what it used to be but hopefully his arm like won't have issues and that is the more important thing um but yeah I mean like he's an ace he's an ace so play star ace with an ace. He's also really, really bad in the World Series. 
like yeah. historic man. Like, yeah. this, so is that like a fluky thing? Is it a stamina thing that by the time the World Series comes, he poops out? I, uh, I mean, yeah. it's games. It was a six game sample at this point, and every single one was bad. He's no, well, maybe he's like one in five now. I think he finally won his last game that I pitched in the World Series. Yeah. I mean, like Clayton Kershaw, these things follow these dudes around. But Kershaw's was kind of overblown. This is overblown. Mixed. This yeah. is like, he's legit bad. But Scherzer has been legit good, and he pitched like crap for the Mets in the playoffs. Yeah. I think he was compromised. I feel like, yeah, I think he was. Um, I feel like you can't, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's it's a concern. Because this is like, it wasn't like over, it wasn't just one World Series. It was multiple. Multiple, yeah. It wasn't, you know, just one game that blew up his whole ERA. It was multiple seasons in multiple games the other side of that coin is that means he's pitched in the world series multiple times and how many guys in baseball can say that the only reason we don't have these statistics on most guys is because most guys don't get to pitch in the world series that much (laughs) true well then that was the other thing too like oh scherzer and verlander are reunited and it feels so good and then there was an article that said they weren't buddies on detroit and it's like oh so is that okay jake yeah, yeah, right. Isn't buddies with anybody, and that's a problem. But now Shaky, but Scherzer and Verlander were never buddies, but we're cool with it. Are we are we messing up the uh the all important clubhouse chemistry? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh oh, is Verlander a toxic personality coming in? Is Scherzer gonna have issues? And like you don't hear any of that. And listen, for for I mean Based on the information that we know that's publicly available, Justin Verlander is vaccinated um, and has, in fact, like advocated for, you know, COVID stuff. Um, So that is good. But again, like and we'll we'll, and we'll get in more into this later with regard to, to ownership in a little while when we talk about Steve Cohen and his role in all this. Um. If you're looking for a perfect angel baseball player, I have news for almost uh, news for you about almost all the dudes you root for. Need I remind the listenership that Justin Verlander was the guy who was very outspoken about domestic violence until he wasn't. Yeah. Until it was his teammate. Yeah. That's something I have not forgotten. And now he's on my team. So. <laughs> yep. I mean, like, you know, I, is it... Like, again, like the only reason why we don't know these things about most of the guys we root for is because we just don't know them, but they're true and we just don't know them. Like, (laughs) uh, like, I mean, if if only every baseball player could be Sean Doolittle, but alas, they are not. Most of them are. We have Mark Hanna. We do have Mark Hanna, the king. We did lose Ty, though, who was a very good advocate for LGBTQ rights. Um. But we do have our king, Mark Hanna. We yeah, love we you, Mark Hanna. We stand him. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, again, is this something that I'm going to be like, I will never cheer for Justin Verlander? I, like, I don't think so. I think I kind of have to get over it. But it's something that I haven't forgotten. It's in the back of my mind. I'll never yeah. forget the way he, like, he he stayed silent for Roberto Usuno. I'll never forget it. You know, like, or like he called it like a personal problem or right, something. No. Right, which, like, Screw that. Yeah. Screw that. Anyway, but 
you know, he's hopefully he'll throw the baseball really good for the New York Mets because they need him to. Um, yeah, like he's here now. <laughs> he's here now. Um, and you know, it's like it was either him or Jacob Degrom, the anti-vaxer. I guess cool. No. <laughs> um, he was the anti- he was an anti-vaxer. He was our anti-vaxer. Um, <laughs> Just like Brandon Nimmo is now again. <laughs> is now again. I'm getting to that. The timeline. Oh, sorry, I jumped ahead. <laughs> timeline. Ready to revolutionize your customer experience? Then look no further than Nice, the global leader in cloud CX software for self-service and agent-assisted customer interactions. Imagine achieving lightning-fast customer resolutions all thanks to the power of unlimited scalability and flexibility of one complete cloud CX solution. With Nice's cutting-edge CX1 platform, you can join thousands of organizations around the globe who are already transforming customer experience experience in the cloud. Now that's a pretty good company, but Nice is more than just a robust cloud CX platform. Its dedication to continuous innovation ensures that you stay ahead of the competition. With Nice and CX1, it's never been easier to create exceptional customer experiences. Get started by visiting nice.com. Explore the world's most complete cloud native customer experience platform, CX1. Visit nice.com. Nice, cloud powered, CX at scale. Ready to revolutionize your customer experience? Then look no further than Nice, the global leader in cloud CX software for self-service and agent-assisted customer interactions. Imagine achieving lightning-fast customer resolutions all thanks to the power of unlimited scalability and flexibility of one complete cloud CX solution. With Nice's cutting-edge CX1 platform, you can join thousands of organizations around the globe who are already transforming customer experience in the cloud. Now that's a pretty good company, but Nice is more than just a robust cloud CX platform. Its dedication to continuous innovation ensures that you stay ahead of the competition. With Nice and CX1, it's never been easier to create exceptional customer experiences. Get started by visiting nice.com. Explore the world's most complete cloud native customer experience platform, CX1. Visit nice.com. Nice, cloud powered, CX at scale. Two days after Dragom left on December 5th, the Mets signed Justin Verlander. Two days after that, on December 7th, the Mets signed Jose Quintana to a two-year $26 million deal. Also on December 7th, the very same day, the Mets traded prospect Keyshawn Askew to the Rays for reliever Brooks Raley. So they acquired two more pitchers uh, on December 7th, the first one being Jose Quintana, um, who's presumably going to be like their fifth starter. I think that that was, I mean, it's, Obviously, the Mets have made a huge splash this offseason in many, many ways, and the Quintana signing is going to end up pretty far down the list of the things that they did. But to me, it's low key, like one of the smartest. It's it, like it's arguably the smartest signing they made. Like these other signings that they made were kind of the obvious signings. Like, yes, yeah. you must replace Jacob deGrom with the best other pitcher available. Yes. Well done. <laughs> like and one you know, of the best pitchers in all baseball. At yeah. That. There really, there really wasn't an alternative there. There really wasn't much of an alternative to Brandon Nimmo. We'll get to that. But like in this case, I would argue that they got a similar caliber pitcher to uh, the Taiwan walkers and Jamison Tyons of the world, but for less money. Yeah. Like, um, 
it was kind of surprising because you didn't hear anything about them. And all of a sudden it's like, nope. that's fine, Jose Quintana. It's like, what? Where did that come from? <laughs> that's been a theme of this offseason, not just and not just the Mets either. I feel like there have been a lot of deals that have happened that there wasn't really any any buzz right up until it happened. I mean, the same thing happened with Nimo. There wasn't really any yeah. like momentum toward a thing like that. Usually you get the buzzwords, <laughs> right? Like you get the keywords in the tweets from the beat writers. You get like first you get the like showing interest in and or then they're you get talking, to, uh, speaking to and then you get the like momentum toward a deal and then you get the deal that did that has not happened with a lot of these signings it happened with verlander but oh wait well what signing did bayerga break was it was it quintana um that was verlander i think oh so uh, yeah i couldn't remember if it was verlander or quintana See, who needs insiders when you have carlos bayerga carlos bayerga first on the on the beat I mean, um, like a lot of them, yeah, it was for later because I remember I tweeted that some of the biggest moves the Mets have made in the past few years have been broken by Tiki Barber, Taiwan Walker, and Carlos Bayer. <laughs> yep. Yep. Otherwise, they're like, you know, zipped up real tight. The, <laughs> the leaks are two dudes you wouldn't expect. Yeah, um, we don't need insiders. <laughs> nope. Why do you need me, Buster Olney, for when you have. Carlos Baerga and Tiki Barber. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they got their their Jake replacement at the top of the rotation. They then they got their Taiwan Walker replacement um, in Jose Quintana. Good. Now we're cooking with gas. At the same time, they acquired a relief pitcher, which the bullpen needed help. I mean, obviously, Diaz was the anchor there, but they didn't really have much uh, behind him. So um, they made this trade. Um, and you know, Brooks Raley is cheap and good. So he has one year left on his contract, uh, for four and a half million dollars, um, with a, with an option for 2024. He's one of those Rays relievers that the Rays like fixed and made really good. (laughs) Yeah. They did their Rays thing. They did their Rays thing and the Rays had too many of these Rays guys. And so they were, they were like, you know, uh, pretty, open about like, we're going to trade our, some of our pitchers. So they have done that. Um, and the Mets got one of them. Regrettably, he is one of the dipshits who wouldn't wear the pride hat. Um, which is annoying again, like, you know, you don't want to know these things about the dudes that are on your team, but sadly, yes, he is one of the homophobes who wouldn't wear the pride hat. He didn't, he didn't just not wear it. He like ripped the patch off. Yeah. He like took the, took the rainbow decal like off of it because they even brandon nimmo wore like love wins or something like something neutral but at least he didn't like go that far yeah yeah this is why we need tie i miss tie it sucks like very annoying losing tie to signing him and like you know like the vibes just did a complete 180 and like, you know, the Mets were so focused, like, we're going to get high caliber dudes, and then you get this dipshit. Come on. Like, I get it's all, you know, wins are the be all and end all, but you made such a big deal about changing the clubhouse culture. And, like, it was a lie. I'm calling him Boo Radley, by the way. No one can stop me. 
Okay. <laughs> because his, I see Brooks Raley and I just think Boo Radley. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, of course, like, he has a name like Brooks, too. <laughs> Brooks Raley, like, the most, like, yeah. Um, uh, it's just like, and it, like, I made, I mean, I made a silly meme about this. Like, it was a silly meme that should not have offended people. And yet, regrettably, it went beyond my sphere of influence and got, like, <laughs> no. big, uh, like, semi-viral. And so I got a bunch of like free speech dipshits in my mentions, oh. like being like, you hate him because he thinks differently than you. And his, he have a right to his freedom of expression. And I was like, I never said he didn't have a right to not wear the hat, but I have a right to call him a dipshit if I want, <laughs> yeah. which is what I'm going to do. Like, yeah. I don't understand. Like freedom of speech doesn't free you from consequences for your actions. Like, sir. <laughs> He has every right to be an asshole. And guess what? That means I have a right to call him an asshole. Yeah, and I'm I have not a right gonna to enjoy call you an asshole for calling me out on it. Right. See how free speech works. Exactly. Lovely. <laughs> we all get to ex- exercise our freedom of expression in the free marketplace of ideas. <laughs> yeah, like you're you entered into my mentions to exactly. exercise your free speech. And now I get to exercise mine to call you an asshole. <laughs> exactly. Which is what I did, and then one of them blocked me. And I was like, I guess you don't enjoy my freedom of expression. <laughs> I'm sorry that you hate America and free speech. <laughs> like Dude, I, just... I don't see anybody opting out of military appreciation night. Yeah. Like I I like I nobody's offended that we have like like spend billions in on the military every year. <sighs> There's no pacifists out there. <laughs> no. In 2001, wasn't Carlos Delgado who unfortunately yes. like, caught the wrath? Yeah. Yes. But a king, though, for doing that. A king. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, like, I'm not going to enjoy rooting for Brooks Raley, certainly. But he's on the Mets now. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, if, ugh, I have such like a sour taste in my mouth. Like, woo. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then we move to the following day, December 8th. Um, and this time, like I got as granular as to put timestamps on it because this is how this is how fast these things happened, right? Okay. So December 8th, 845 p.m. The Mets bring back Brandon Nimmo on an eight-year $162 million deal. Literally 8:53 p.m. The Mets signed David Robertson to a one-year $10 million deal. Eight minutes apart. <laughs> that was freaking crazy <laughs> it's like i get the slack i'm like what's going on now <laughs> oh that was like steve cohen steve cohen just got drunk and decided whatever i don't care <laughs> yeah. like okay i'll just spend all the money i don't care <laughs> Degrom leaving was steven matz's agent on steroids like you think <laughs> like you think steven matz's agent upset steve cohen and then he rage spended you you have hadn't if only i could talk to me from a year ago and be like you have not seen anything yet (laughs) you want to see steve cohen work literally thanos collecting infinity stones like all right it's over for you now bitches yeah seriously I'm going to collect all the free agents and just destroy all of you there is nothing any of you can do about it Um, (laughs) i don't care and I mean, kind of like the Verlander signing, except in this case, it was just the Mets bringing back a player they already had. 
there really like there really wasn't a a choice, right? Unless they wanted to like significantly downgrade or figure out a really creative way to get better elsewhere. Like there really wasn't a better alternative to Brandon Nimmo out there. Like the next best thing was like Kevin Kiermeyer, which is like a significant step down from Brandon. Well, their Nimmo. handsomeness per 60 would have gone way up or per, oh, yes. per, per yes. nine. The, would have gone way up. The crystal clear blue pool blue eyes per <laughs> per water <laughs> would be off the charts. But yeah, they would lead the league in that, really. But they continue to lead the league in smiles between Brandon Nimmo and Francisco Lindor. True, so true. um <laughs> the, the happiest man in baseball is back with the Mets. Um, and you know, it's it's great. Like he is a very good baseball player. He's he a very did, good baseball player. Credit. He did work on his defense. He stayed healthy. He's a good center for, fielder now. Yeah. And he stayed healthy for, I, I don't think he was hurt much last year, if at all. Not at all, really. So hopefully his injury issues are behind him. But yeah, like I certainly hope. You know, outside of moving Marte to center and like, putting McNeil in the outfield and and signing an infielder. This was probably the best outcome that they could have done. Yep. Yep. Especially after freaking Trey Turner signed with the Phillies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that happened. Um, Like I, I, it's amazing. If you look back, if you had told like 2016 us that Brandon Nimmo would net a much larger free agent contract than Michael Conforto. I would have thought you were crazy. Me too. But here we are. I thought Mike Nemo would be a nice player, but I thought Conforto would be a good player. Brandon Nemo is currently, currently a much better player than Michael Conforto. Yeah, but Conforto still doesn't have a team. Nope. For two years now. The Mets are looking for a fourth outfielder, but I think, I think Conforto is going to go somewhere where he will have playing time. Yeah. He needs to prove himself, but Mets need a fourth outfielder. Um, That's one of the few things they still need. Uh, They need a fourth outfielder and like another reliever. I would like, and somebody to platoon with. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, we'll get to that. Um, Yes. (laughs) So. But first, we have to cover one more move. Well, they signed David Robertson, so that's good. I, I like that move a lot. That's really, really good. This is, my, this is the other thing I tweeted. Why do they always end up with, like, every year they have to sign an ex-Yankee reliever? First it was Betances, then it was Adovino, now it's Robertson. Please These are the not, rules. Yeah, you need to have an ex-Yankee reliever, I guess. But please don't go the Chapman route. That's the Oh, God, no. Like these other dudes are fine. I have no issue with any of them. But this is like I'm signing Kelly John or trading for Kelly Johnson every year. Yep, yep, yep. So they have to sign a new Yankees reliever every year. With Batanzas, sadly, it didn't work out so well, but no. with Ottavino, it did. So hopefully Robertson will work out. Yeah, so also. hopefully we're on the upward trend of of that. <laughs> yeah. And I mean Robertson, like I know, I know that the Mets are amassing the AARP baseball team, but <laughs> like David Robertson has been consistently good for many, many seasons. And Adovino was, I think, like 38 last year, and he was good. And he was good. And he's going to get another another decent contract, for wh- whether that's with the Mets bringing him back or someone else. Like, he's going to get a decent contract. Um, and he yep. was healthy the whole year, so. Yes, he was. 
He was the best. Rel- he was the best reliever in that bullpen besides Edwin Diaz last year. Yeah, by a lot. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and I think that David Robertson is the setup man now, um, which is good. They needed that desperately. They needed a yes. setup man for Edwin Diaz, and Robertson's going to be that. Um, so I'm excited about that signing. Well, Very I good. Guess Brooks is their lefty now. Yeah, uh, Boo Radley, the lefty. Um, <laughs> they need another guy. I would like to see a reunion with Adam Adovino, but there, there are other choices. Like, it doesn't have to be Adovino. They can go a different direction. Relievers are usually available well into the offseason, but they need another one, um, bare minimum. And then you can have, like, basically you can have Edwin Diaz closer, um david robertson as your setup man and then a combination of like brooks and whoever you sign as like your seventh inning guys then you have drew smith in there as well um and then you fill the rest out with like whatever whatever cream rises to the top of the like long men becomes the trevor williams role oh Uh, i know r.i.p trevor williams r.i.p trevor williams gonna be a washington national which good for him because he's gonna get a guaranteed rotation spot which is what he wanted that's what he wanted and he earned it he earned it he was really good for the mets last year he earned a rotation spot good for him um but they need a kind of that guy whether that's like alicia hernandez or tyler mcgill or whoever ends up being like chirp 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 um lucchese uh whatever ends up whoever peterson. ends up in that peterson <laughs> i think that they want to i think that if peterson doesn't make the rotation i think that uh they're gonna want him to be uh stretched out i think that yeah. he's like the he's basically the sixth starter right now um so he'll i i think that like peterson is either going to be in the rotation or in triple a like i i don't know if they're going to put him in the bullpen but we'll see um, but they need, they'll fill the rest of that bullpen out with like long man guy. And then like Steven Nagosik probably because he's out of options. Um, and whoever else of that, like John Curtis, Jeff Bridges group of guys that they got. <laughs> and that's a pretty decent bullpen, honestly. Oh, oh you mean Jeff Brigham. <laughs> Jeff Brigham. I said Jeff Bridges. I said Jeff Bridges. <laughs> Um, no, 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 no. Jeff Brigham. <laughs> My, I have had one beer, everybody. Um, good work. Um, so yeah, that's a pretty decent bullpen, but they need one more guy in it. Like a guaranteed guy. Um, but yeah, we have made it to the final move that the Mets have made since we last recorded since Jacob deGrom left a week ago on December 10th close to midnight. So it was like almost December 11th, but it was still December 10th, technically at the time the Mets signed Kodai Senga to a five-year $75 million deal. So they got their Jacob deGrom replacement. They got their Taiwan Walker replacement and they got their Chris Bassett replacement. They replaced every single pitcher who walked with at least an equal guy, which is pretty incredible. (laughs) We don't know what they have in Senga quite yet. But the upside is definitely there. The upside is like two starter. Yeah. So like it's basically I saw one person compare it to like he's better than calling up a triple A prospect. Like you don't know what you have in triple A prospects either, but he's more proven than that. Yeah. Much more. Yeah. I mean, I 
I don't know if you guys uh, watched that video of him making Shohei Otani look silly, but that was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and there's another video of him from the last World Baseball Classic, too, just mowing down dudes, too. Yep. Yep. For Team Japan in the World Baseball Classic. Um, Yeah. I mean, he he has a splitter that is as good as any major league pitchers right now. Like one of the best splitters. I mean, I I talked about this with uh, Brian and Lucas when we did like the breaking news version of the Senga signing breaking news podcast. Um, And Lucas talked about how, like, if you take a list of like major league pitchers whose splitter is better than Kodai Senga's, it's basically like Kevin Gaussman and like maybe one other guy. Hmm. Um, That's promising. They call it the ghost fork. Yes, I love the ghost fork, like which is a fantastic name for a pitch. Oh, what was the what was Dice Gaze? No, oh, the gyro ball. Right? Oh, the gyro ball. That's right. Yeah. Um, Kodai Sanga splitter is called the ghost fork, and Google it. It is it is nasty. Um, basically, he's got that, which is an elite pitch. He has a fastball that touches triple digits, casual, you know, whatever. Um, like you reached 102 at one point. Yep. Um, so he's got those two pitches on lock. He has four pitches. He doesn't use the other two are like, eh, okay, maybe the Mets can develop them further into better secondary pitches, but he doesn't really need other pitches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that's why his like downside like or like floor is like a really good reliever. Um because if you if you see that he just has like the fastball and the ghost fork, then like you could see like if he doesn't stick as a starter, which is like to be clear, the worst case scenario here. Not like not like middle percentile, like worst case scenario. Yeah. Um, he'll be like al- alongside David Robertson setting up for Edwin Diaz, and then the Mets are just starting David Peterson instead. Like that is the worst case scenario. And again, like you look at his deal. Five years, 75 million. Like if he ends up opt being out like, after three. Opt out after three. If he ends up being like an elite setup man, and again, it's probably the worst case scenario. Like, are you really overpaying by that much given what the really good relievers are going for these days? Yeah. Not particularly. Yeah. <laughs> so well, also, I love the Mets quartering the market on like weird pitches. They have the chirp and they have the ghost fork. <laughs> ghost fork. Um, but again. <laughs> reliever is not a particularly likely outcome. Um, and again, he has the ceiling of being like a top of the rotation starter. So the, the, the average of those things, like his middle of the road outcome is probably a mid rotation starter, which is exactly what the Mets need him to be. They don't need him to be an ACE because they have two of those. That's the great part of this whole thing. Yeah. And like now cookie Carrasco is your fifth starter. Yeah. Like we're, there's worse things out there. There are worse things. There was rumors saying they want to treat him, which I think is a bad idea. I think that's you a terrible that idea. I hate that. I hate these rumors, and I'm hearing them too. Like we, there are rumors out there that the Mets think that they can basically repl- like they think that there's really not going to be much difference between Carrasco's 2022 production and David Peterson, Tyler McGill, Whomstever combo, no. which. A, I don't buy that. And B, even if you do, which reasonable minds can agree with that, I think. Um, if you just look at the raw numbers, you can say, yeah, I think David Peterson could do that. Fine. If you're a believer in David Peterson, sure. But I think that 
it's just either way, it's foolhardy to give up your depth for no reason. Yeah. Like a previous iteration of the Mets would need to give up Cookie, would need to trade Cookie Carrasco and replace him with David Peterson because David Peterson makes no money and Cookie Carrasco makes $14.5 million and they would offload that salary to offset all these signings they're making. But this is Steve Cohen Mets and they don't need to give a shit about that. (laughs) So why don't you just keep all your pitchers? And when two of them get hurt, like always happens, then you don't have to worry about like picking someone up off the scrap heap or, you know, promoting a guy before he's ready. You have David Peterson, you have Tyler McGill as depth. You Mm -hmm. like you're deep. Now you have the deepest rotation in baseball. Don't, don't ruin that by trading one of your guys. Because they say basically you need eight to 10 starting pitchers per season. You have eight to 10 right now. Right. Eight to 10 that are like reason reasonably could be above average. Who are at least major league pitchers. At least major league pitchers. Because if you trade Cookie Carrasco, you are not too many injuries away from Jose Budo again. Like <laughs> you don't want that. That's not what you want. No, you really want Jose Budo be up there on the pecking order, knocking down the door to make spot starts. That is not what you want, ladies and gents. And you want David Peterson doing a lot of heavy lifting in September. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I probably, I hate on David Peterson too much and I know it, I know. but I just like, he, he annoys me to watch and I can't I'm do it. I'm going to say, cause he's just so hard to watch. It's he's brutal watching the starts. He like, nibbles. Oh, my God. He nibbles and he throws like 20 pitches per at bat. <laughs> he lasts four and a third innings every time. Like I know the results were perfectly fine. And like, that's why the Mets think that they can just be like, Oh, okay. We can just, we have Carlos Carrasco at home. Like, I think that they realize that the, <laughs> that the results are basically Xerox of each other. And like on paper, I understand that, but like, I do have, they considered my emotional state while watching as a factor. <laughs> I also think cookie ceiling is a lot higher. I agree. I agree. When he's on, he's elite. Yeah. He's His also getting old incredible. now, though. He's huh? getting old now, though, like everybody yeah. else. The Mets rotation is very old. Yeah, true. Very but still, old. still, everybody's like, oh, don't forget about Big Drip. He was unrosterable at the end of the year. He was very hurt for most of the year. Yeah, but I'm like, you don't know, like, if he's just going to come back and pick it up. He was legit unrosterable at the end of the year because he because of all the injuries we don't know yeah. if he's gonna bounce back from that yeah i don't think you can count on that too much no and like he doesn't really have that much of a track record he keeps getting hurt yeah i mean when the velocity bump is real i and when before he got hurt he looked like a totally different pitcher but if the velocity before. is leading to the injuries. Yes. Yes. What do you do? You can't sustain that. And that's why he might be a reliever. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is fine. But yeah, again, which is totally fine. But I don't know if you can just go in and be like, hey, we got depth. We got McGill. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. That's why you don't trade Cookie Carrasco. Exactly. I mean, I know they think that he has the problem with the Mets. The Mets think that he, they, they know that he has no bullpen utility. Whereas they think that some yeah. of these other guys are like guys they can shuttle back and forth, which 
sure but like just keep all of them i i don't understand why they're thinking of trading him but no he's just such a good guy too i know i really like cookie i'd be sad if they traded him did you see all of them with the little christmas light necklaces on today yeah how sweet was that Like, come um, on, they're good guys. Don't take my good guys away from us. There's so few of them out there. I know. We're we're still we're still raw from Jacob DeGrom. We're <laughs> <laughs> our pitchers away. Um, but there are so that's like all the signings the Mets have made. Like you know, one hour later we have covered them all. Um, <laughs> but there are still things to be done. Uh, like we mentioned, there's the fourth outfielder. There's like a reliever or two more. Um, maybe finding a platoon partner for, uh, for Vogelbach, who isn't Darren Ruff, but on that front, um, one approach that might, the Mets might take to solve this problem is we are hearing, I I wouldn't even call them full fledged, full fledged rumors yet, but we are hearing whispers that (laughs) the Mets are interested in Carlos, uh, uh, Jesus Christ, Carlos Correa, um, now that would be excellent because that would fill this need that they have because they could have Correa play third base and then Eduardo Escobar could DH and then I would never have to see Darren Ruff again and that would be fantastic. <laughs> we all win there. <laughs> yes. And then like I said this to Linda before we started recording but that takes this roster from more or less like like bringing back the 101 team from last year or like directly replacing the guys departing to try to reach the same uh, level of roster talent they had before to like inarguably a better roster than they had last year. Yeah. In my opinion, like that's the piece that takes it over the top. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's can really, it's not really up for debate either. No. Like Perez is still, I mean, there's probably uh, Trey Turner probably passed him, but he's still one of the best shortstops in the league. Yeah, he is. He's really good. Or Swanson now too, because he had an incredible year last year. But and but Correa kind of like kind of got forgot about on Minnesota, but he was he was good last year. Yeah, and he's friends with Lindor, which which you know might be you know sweet in the pot a little bit like but like i told you before we were recording like i just tweeted it out as a joke like last year or like a couple weeks ago hey why don't we just get all the big ticket free agents craig is out there and it's like might be happening does does steve cohen still read twitter (laughs) (laughs) i think he does i think he does still read twitter Um, because I mean, one of the things that was leading to these whispers is that like someone looked at Steve Cohen's likes and one of his likes was like mentioning like, what if Steve Cohen went wild and signed Carlos Correa? Well, then who was it? Somebody, um, uh, it was Pena. He was alluding to it. That, uh, yeah, he was Yankees. saying there's a possible landing place for Correa, and we're we're really close to it right now in Secaucus, New Jersey. So that implies like the Mets or Yankees or Yankees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I found an old article of mine from 2019 where it said the Mets had checked in on Carlos Correa, so they've had interested in him in the past. 
Yeah, here it is. It's literally Steve Cohen's most recent like on Twitter. It's just some random dude. I mean, it's just some random tweet, but it has like 1,200 likes. And I don't know how much of that is like Steve Cohen liked it. So then it showed up in everybody's news. Yeah, that's the only thing I can But it just says, yo, if at Stephen A. Cohen 2 really wants to FTW of the M- of the MLB, meaning like for the win. Um, and just go sign Carlos Correa. Tell him to pick uh, pick up second base or third base for the next six plus years. Let's roll. And he just went ahead and liked that tweet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it doesn't actually mean anything, but. I mean, it's I intriguing. Mean... It's, you know, again, it's those little things that make your spidey senses go. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. We'll see. Um. So speaking of Steve Cohen, I wanted to do a rant about this because I feel like it's not just a Mets thing. It's because like the Mets have honestly, we're in a unique position now where like we do this podcast, we have a Mets segment and a baseball segment and the Mets are of late, like the biggest like talk of baseball. So it's kind of like our, our Mets talk is baseball talk because everybody's talking about the Mets suddenly, Um, (laughs) which is weird. Yeah. Which is weird. Uh, we're not used to this. Um, but yeah, this is this is Mets related, but I think it's a broader baseball issue, too. So I think it's important to talk about it. Well, um, a lot of it's also the Padres now, too. Yes, yes. Um, a lot of folks, particularly NL East rivals, I've noticed, and Yankees fans. <clears throat> yes. I wonder why. <laughs> I've had a lot to say about the Mets payroll, uh, which is currently about $420 million with penalties. <laughs> It's like $350 million before penalties. Um, And it's like $420 million with penalties. They have a lot to say about it. Um, And to all of it, I have to say back, who cares? (laughs) Sucks to suck. I don't know. Sucks to suck. (laughs) Like, this is literally a drop in the bucket for Steve Cohen. This is Uh a couch cushion change for Steve Cohen. Like, I wrote about this. Like, I think we've even mentioned it on the on the podcast. The difference between a million and a billion. Do people realize the chasm between those two numbers? One million in time is 12 days. A billion in time is your entire lifespan. It's 31 years. Yeah. Do you like like it's almost incomprehensible that how just how why and steve cohen has 16 billion so that's 31 years times 16 with a b like steve cohen is one of the richest men on the planet like the only people richer than him are like jeff bezos and elon musk yeah like and probably like a sultan somewhere (laughs) yeah maybe um (laughs) like if you want to talk about the ethics of Steve Cohen and his financial ventures. We can have a conversation about that. We had plenty of conversations about that on this very podcast when Steve mm-hmm. Cohen first took ownership of the Mets. We've talked about it plenty, but I'd like someone to point me to a more ethical baseball owner, yep. the most ethical baseball owner you can find. Point me to him. <laughs> I'd love to see it. Yeah, no angels. Um, besides maybe Art Moreno, who is actually an angel on baseball team. <laughs> uh, and I don't think people are too pleased about his ownership. No, they're not. So There's literally no angels who own baseball teams. Like, 
like a Phillies fan made a tweet the other day that ended up getting ratioed into oblivion and they turned comments off. As it should. As it should. About how like Steve Cohen's a crook and should be in jail instead of owning a baseball team, which like, fine, you can think that. That sure. Sure enough. The Phillies owner is a tobacco baron. <laughs> he made his money. He's he's he literally is the heir of a tobacco company. <laughs> like, do you know how many like human deaths he is probably single handedly responsible for and profited off of? Are you kidding? Like, I just like I I can't with these people like well, you care like, about this because the Mets are spending money and it makes you mad. That's why you care. Rich admit it. Phillies fan who's just trying to sign Trey Turner. Yeah, the Phillies have spent a ton of money this offseason, too, which they should because yeah. they almost won the World Series. They should be trying to get better. And they are You're like, look, if your team's not spending, how is that my problem? Right. Go, like go. they're just mad about this because the Mets are spending money and it makes them upset. Like that is the whole reason. That's it's the whole not, reason. Like it's not our fault. Teams just actively decide not to win anymore. That's not my problem. Nope. So Steve Cohen's going to be like, well, the rest of the league's not trying. I'm not going to try. No, that's not his problem. Nope. And like, again, Bragging and bragging about how little your team is spending in comparison. Ooh, like a Braves fan. Looking at you, that. Braves fans. Like, mm-hmm. look at how much money the Mets have committed to Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. That's our entire, that could be the payroll of our entire roster. That is not the own that you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to break it to you. Like, oh, yay. We're bragging about how we're underpaying all of our players. Like, how very pro labor and woke of you. <laughs> <laughs> and taking advantage of poor kids in the Dominican Republic. Hooray! <laughs> yeah, good for you. Like, bragging on, like, here's the thing. Bragging about your payroll flexibility only works if you actually use your payroll flexibility. Yeah, they're not. Please point me to the large contracts the Braves have handed out this offseason to a free agent. You cannot because they haven't. Nope. Like, listen, they're already a very good baseball team. So, like, do they need to, like... The, that's the reason the Mets have spent so much money. They had a lot of free. They had a lot of people leaving for free agency. They needed to spend this much just to get to where they were before. Yeah, like that's just the reality of yeah, it. And their farm system's bad. So until they revamp the farm system, this was the only option that was available to them. Like the Braves already have a good team. Okay, but you're in a position where all you would have had to have done was sign one or two of these free agents that the Mets signed. And you'd be like instant World Series favorites. Like, I guarantee if they offered Jacob DeGrom money, he would have gone. To the Braves? Yeah. But yeah. they refused to give any free agent over like 20 million average annual value because it's like against their like code of conduct or something. Yeah. So but can you imagine Jacob DeGrom on the Braves? Um, I, I can imagine it and it makes me nauseous. I don't enjoy imagining it. <laughs> Very easily. Could have had him and probably could have instant World Series favorites. Yep. They would have been really, really good right yep. away. Yep. But no. instead, they will wear their Liberty Media profit margins jerseys to the ballpark, I guess, because <laughs> that's like what you're rooting for at that point. Like if, if you're bragging about how small your payroll is like and it's not being and that's that savings is not being spent on free agents or otherwise being reinvested in your baseball team, then you're celebrating your owner's profit margins. That is yep. what you're celebrating. Like, yay, we made our owner more wealthy. And yay. Cool. Never spend that money in any lifetime we'll ever see. 
I love media and corp Liberty Media Incorporated. Woo! <laughs> also, do people realize just how much money is going into baseball right now? So much. Between streaming revenues, um, ads on uniforms are coming. Um, baseball made eleven billion dollars alone last year, and that was just baseball, not not the teams. Major League Baseball made eleven billion dollars last year, and that number is only going to go up. Yep. Like we said, because there's going to be more streaming deals, there's going to be more sponsorship deals. So you're, you're happy that Liberty Media is getting a bigger cut of that check than Jacob DeGrom, yep. who could have been on your team easily? Yep. That's what they're happy about. I don't really know what else it means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't, I, I like, can't like fathom that. <laughs> like again. Like, this- do I want Steve Cohen to buy another bunny, a $91 million bunny? He can if he wants. It doesn't matter. It's all this is like for him. This is monopoly money. It's fake. It doesn't matter. None of this matters. Again, like people are dunking on the Mets being like, oh, they have to spend all this money just to be just to like and they haven't gotten any better. It's like they won one hundred and one games last year. Like they're like they're trying to get back to that. Yeah. Because and if like they win 101 said, games again, they'll probably make the playoffs and may may very well win the win the division. And Vaz tweeted this. He's like, yes, that's how free agency works. You lose somebody and you sign somebody to replace them. Exactly. Like, that is literally how this works. That is how this should work. You should try <laughs> to improve your team from its current state by signing free agents. <laughs> like were they just not supposed to sign anybody like oh well, we lost our free agent stuff and we can do now Ugh, the Mets didn't get any better it's like yeah if they didn't sign anybody they'd be like an 80 win team <laughs> like yeah, they wouldn't get any better then either <laughs> right like I just like what's your alternative like what are you what do you want exactly here <laughs> and were they supposed to enter next season with a rotation that featured David Peterson and Tyler McGill those years behind Scherzer I mean, that is what they want. They want the Mets to be bad. Um, well, yeah, but true. too bad. Tough toenails. <laughs> Mets are going to be good again. Sorry. <laughs> it's really, I mean, I, I said this recently, but um, this is kind of the piggybacking off the Trey Turner signing by the Phillies, who also signed Taiwan Walker, by the way. To a um, large contract. Large contract. Much bigger, bigger than, than I thought suspecting. he would get. Yep. And, good for him. And Bassett got less than Walker did. Yeah, which is wild. I mean, Bassett's much older, but... Yeah, true. Sure. Um, But yeah, I mean, like, it's really annoying that there are, like, maybe a half dozen teams in baseball trying. And it's more like maybe like seven or eight total in all of baseball. And Mm -hmm. three of them are in the NL East. (laughs) I know. Come on. Like, seriously? You win. I swear to God. Whatever. There's, There's a... There's more wild cards now. So like, you know, multiple NL East teams will probably make the playoffs again, maybe even three of them again. But still, it's like, seriously. Well, like, what's our dominant stretch? Like the Braves had all of the 90s. Then the, the Nationals had a good little run there in the 2000s. The Phillies were like the mid 2000s. It's like, when, when, when do we get a chance at this? When do we become the cream of the crop of the division where nobody else has a chance? 
hopefully now. I mean, like, again, I think the others are going to have a chance. That's for sure. But I'm hoping that, you know, we'll win the division this time instead of tying the Braves and then like losing the tie break. Um, But yeah, the Phillies, I mean, the Phillies are trying to get better as they should because they just almost won the World Series. So and they, they lost Bryce Harper for half the year. So they have they lost were- Bryce Harper for half the year, which is a huge blow for them. Um, the, the shortstop position was the obvious hole on their roster. They filled it with Trey Turner. Um, they had departing pitchers, uh, in Kyle Gibson, um, who signed with the Orioles, by the way. Uh, so they replaced him with Taiwan Walker. Um, so, you know, they, they're doing okay. They, they need bullpen help, uh, too. I mean, David Robertson was on their team at the end and now he's on the Mets. Um, so they don't really have much in the way of a bullpen. Zach Eflin departed, who was like their sudden, like, uh, he was basically like their Seth Lugo, like mediocre starting pitcher turned really good reliever. Um, and he's gone now signed for a pretty lucrative contract himself. Um, and so, you know, the Phillies, but the Phillies are, uh, you know, they're making moves. Um, the Braves, uh, as I mentioned, they have signed no big ticket free agents. They did, however, make a notable trade today. Yeah. Um, they acquired Sean Murphy from the uh, A's in a three-team deal with the Brewers um, and William Contreras, their previous backup catcher and narco user now out of the division. No more. There's only room for one narco in this division, sir. Goodbye. Um <laughs> Went to went to Milwaukee and prospects from both teams went to the A's who are a joke as always. (laughs) It was like a catcher carousel. Yes. Yes. Like everybody just swapped catchers. (laughs) Everybody just swapped catchers. Um, And Sean Murphy being the prize in that deal. Sean Murphy is really good. He's like one of the top like three or four catchers in the league. Um, And now, I mean, the Braves basically have like they have. Travis Darno, who would be a great starting catcher on many teams as their backup catcher. So that's and nice the for Mets them. have James McCann. <laughs> who they may still offload. Um, yeah. That might still happen. Unclear. Unclear if James McCann is on the, the roster come opening day. Like they couldn't trade for Murphy? Come on. I mean, they. I think that they, I think that they think it's not worth it to like trade for a catcher of the future when they have Francisco Alvarez. Mm, True. I think that they want, I think they want Francisco Alvarez to be the starting catcher next year and they want James McCann to not be on the roster, but they're not just my, I still feel like ever since they said they're going to fill the DH internally, I feel like they want Alvarez to be the platoon with Fogey. That may happen. And they may carry the three catchers. And kind of just like maybe start uh, Francisco Alvarez sometimes, but have him DH other times. Yeah. Um, other notable uh, contracts. The Yankees did re-sign Aaron Judge after all of that agita. They did do that. After Arson Judge went to the Giants. After Arson Judge went to the Giants. <laughs> oh, that was... Uh, what I was a like Yankees Twitter like imploding on itself. Um, but yeah, he very nearly went to the Giants, I suppose, but he did not in the end go to the Giants. He stayed a Yankee. Um, nine years, 360 million. Good for them. Uh, I mean, he is their franchise player. So, and if the Yankees can't retain retain their franchise player, I suppose nobody can. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, the Cubs signed Jameson Tyone to their annual we will pretend we're doing things thing, I guess. <laughs> Cubs are not in a good place. No, no. Cubs, Cubs are, not in, are not in a good place. <laughs> it's they're in a bad place. Uh, their their catcher just departed for the uh, for their bitterest rivals. Yes, um, and would like trash them on the way out too. Yeah, that was nuts. <laughs> was I was like, oh my god, I was not expecting that at all. Yeah, so their franchise player, or like the one that was left from the 2016 championship team, is on the Cardinals now, which can't leave a good taste in Cubs fans' mouths at all. Um, yeah, that I mean, that's the Jacob Degrom to the Braves like equivalent, like that. The idea makes me nauseous. I can't imagine how they feel. No. So uh, that's where we're at. <laughs> this off season has been something else. Oh wait, uh, we didn't say Xander Bogarts. Oh yes, that is true. That did happen as well. I did not say Xander Bogarts. Where did he end up? Because the Padres are also spending all the money. That's and true. Signing Xander all the Bogarts free. did sign with the Padres. That's true. I forgot. Wasn't that. that was another? Was it eleven years? Uh, or am I thinking of Turner? Because he was 11. <laughs> yeah, but like the Red Sox are in the bad place too. Yes, they are. Very they, much. They're just a mess, which they should not be. Uh, why can't I find his contract terms? Xander, uh, here we go. Xander Bogarts. Uh, it was 11 year, 280 million. million. Yeah. Yeah. Padres have quite the payroll as well. Yeah. Big deals. Soto. Bogarts. Yeah. Bogarts. And also, you know, Getting back to the Mets, if Shohei Otani is not on the Mets next year, I will eat my hat. Oh, that! Oh, I'm already so excited for it. Like, I feel like they're playing the long game for Otani here. They are. And I mean, like, Sanga, you know, the Sanga signing, like, so Billy Epler, like, I mean, I think that the jury is still very much out on him as a GM. I mean, he's making all the right moves this offseason, just like he did last offseason, but it's kind of easy to be a good GM when you have unlimited uh, an unlimited <laughs> budget uh, as he does. But like, you know, Kodai Senga is not a move the Mets would have ever made in the Alderson era, not no. just because of the money, but because the Mets were not players in the international market, especially in the Japanese market um, during the Alderson tenure. Um, and that is something that Billy Epler is obviously much more invested in um, and you know, pays a lot more attention to. Um, and already had a relationship with Otani. Yes. Um, so I think that the Mets are setting up for <laughs> maybe a rather big blockbuster to get Otani next offseason. Which would be incredible. That would be nuts. Or maybe but, even at the deadline this year. And yeah, that would be honestly better for Otani too. Like he deserves a bigger spotlight than what he's getting. Absolutely. He should be a household name. Yeah, he should be a household name. Like, what he's doing is ridiculous. Like, like we've talked about before, it would be like if he played hockey, it would be like if he played goalie one night and then, like, was 
you know, scoring goals the next night. Like it's it's stupid what he's doing. And was like the team's leading goal scorer too. Yeah. <laughs> like and the fact that not every American knows who he is. Like everybody knows who LeBron James is, even if you don't follow basketball. How does how is the Otani not how do, like like he should be like Ken Griffey Jr. Everybody knew who Ken Griffey Jr. was when I was growing up. And he yeah. played on the West Coast. So the West Coast is not an excuse. It's an injustice, honestly. It, it is. It really is. Um, yeah, so that's that's the state of the offseason. Uh, a lot happened uh, since we last potted. I don't expect our next pod for this much to happen between <laughs> the current pod and two weeks from now, but one can never know. Um, in the meantime, hopefully next time, um, our goal is to cover the, cause we didn't want to forget to cover it. It's just that the Mets have done so much that we had to cover mostly the Mets at this, uh, in this yeah, podcast. Um, but next podcast, we will hopefully have more time to talk about um, Bradford and Meredith's new article about the baseballs last, uh, last season, because there's more, there's always more news about the baseballs to cover. Um, Manfred tops himself every time too. I know. I know. Um, just when we think that it couldn't get any weirder, it's gotten even weirder. Um, and yeah, uh, spoiler alert, there's three baseballs now. And one of them's the Goldilocks ball. <laughs> we'll get more into that next time. Hopefully we'll have uh, Bradford and Meredith on soon. If not next pod, then sometime this off season, we'll have them on again to talk about it. Um, but we will cover that article in greater depth in a future pod. It's just that, you know, the Mets have taken over everything right now. <laughs> the Mets are Metsing in a good way, in a good way, in a good way. Um, but you can read all about all of these moves that the Mets have made, um, you know, uh, on Amazing Avenue. We have so much going on. But before we end the show this week, we will end things with walk off wins like we always do, where each of us talks about something that's making us happy, baseball related or otherwise. Linda Cerovich, what is your walk off win for this week? Um, my walk off win, I have to say, it's been so long. Um, I had a nice time in the city. Um, we went to the city. Um, it was right after <laughs> Jacob DeGrom at that point. Um, mm-hmm. so it was kind of sad. Um, and I was like, well, you know, I don't really care. I don't really care about Christmas and this, everything sucks and I hate everything. Um, but, um, we saw the tree. This was my first time visiting the Rockefeller Center tree in, in many years. Um, so we saw the tree. We, um, went to Bryant Park. Um, and, you know just we were wonder it was it had rained but then it became like it was kind of warm so like you could, you could walk around and it wasn't awful um even though it was like cloudy and a little muggy uh, it was a couple of Saturdays ago and then I went to my first Ranger game and of course I lost my first Ranger game of the year and my two favorite players didn't play but it's fine I'm not better um, but I always, cause I always love going to the garden around Christmas. So I always try to get there at least once around Christmas. Cause I love the way they're decorated and they always do a really nice job, like with their Christmas decorations and stuff. So I always try to make a point going to a ranger game, uh, in December. Um, so that was my first walk-off win. Uh, my second walk-off win was, um, my niece, um, had a little like mini show in our local mall. She does dance. 
So her dance crew like got to put on a performance in the mall. So I went to go see her over the weekend and she's always so serious and so focused when she dances. It's like, oh yeah, I'm like, relax a little bit, but she's like, she's like a me. She's a perfectionist and wants to, you know, just get everything right. And, um, but I always love just seeing her dance with all like, like they're all so little, like I know she's nine now, but so she's not as little. So I, <laughs> always think uh because they grow up too fast but you know the little ones came out too and they look so cute and they're like little their little outfits and um so yeah prouding up moment watching watching m dance in the in the local mall and um so yeah you know <laughs> after being so sad for so long at least i've into the Christmas spirit a little bit like god damn it of course it had to be around in December too um but yeah I got my tree um the cats are semi leaving the tree alone that's good um, which was you know I was a little nervous about that but you know I had to put all the ornaments on top which you know is fine <laughs> um so yeah, so those are my three walk-off wins. Just you know, Christmas in New York, and you know, doing little Christmassy things is is always a good time. Yeah, that's nice. It's always nice when you can get into the holiday spirit. Yeah. Um, my walk-off win uh, this week is that I um, well, yes, I I have a I have two also. One of them is kind of bigger, and then one of them is like a, a smaller one. So I'll start with the big one. Um. My walk-off win is that my orthopedist was really happy with my progress and my knee, um, which is really good um, because the last time, uh, you know, I saw him, it, it didn't go as well. And it was like really, really stressful and, uh, and upsetting. Um, like I kind of thought like there was a possibility that I would need another surgery um, to clean out scar tissue in my knee because I wasn't progressing as fast as he wanted to see, but I worked really, really hard in physical therapy. I got another brace that's kind of meant to like push my hyperextension more. I call it the, I call it the medieval torture device because like I had to basically like sit with it on and it like basically pushed my knee past straight and it's like really painful. Um, but it worked. Um, and so I've improved a lot. Um, and in the past like month or so, and I saw the ortho last week and he was like, Oh, nope, don't need a second surgery. Your knee looks great. In fact, I think in a couple of weeks you can start a jogging program. So I was like, Ooh, ah. so I am like really close to being able to run again. Um, I'm up to like speed walking speed on the treadmill. Um, and we're going to start doing like jumping exercises. And once I get to the point where the jumping is pretty good, then I can start running. So, oh, exciting. So, yeah, really, really good knee, uh, knee rehab progress the past like few weeks. Um, so that's that's a huge walk off win for me because you know it's it's been a journey and it will continue to be a journey. And so, any wins I can get, I'm really happy about. Um, my smaller walk off win is that I dyed my hair purple again and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um, I always feel more me when my hair is purple. Um, it's just not something that I do all the time because like it costs a lot of money to maintain and, uh, I, I don't trust myself to do it myself. So uh, I get it done by a professional and it's expensive to do like all the time. So it's something I do once every like couple years. Um, and so I did it and it makes me happy. 
And so that is my other walk-off win. Yeah, I give you credit because I don't have the guts to do it. And it always looks a lot better on you than it probably ever would on me. <laughs> you say that, but like, I feel like it would look really good on you because your hair like has a lot, like a lot more volume than mine. And like, it has a little wave to it. Mine is like yeah. pin straight. So I always hate like how, like, unless I curl it a little bit, it kind of like can look silly, but I like the way that my stylist does it. Like she knows how to, like, I went to a new stylist this time and I appreciated her because her hair is like very similar to mine. And so I felt like she would know how to deal with my hair and and I was right. I mean, my hair is very, very low maintenance on the day to day. So I, this is not a complaint. Like my hair is very wispy, very thin, very pin straight. Like basically I wake up, it's straight. Like I know, but, I'm so jealous. <laughs> but the downside of that, it's very good for like 90% of the time on the day to day. But the downside of it is like the few times you want to be fancy and do something to it. Like my hair doesn't do anything. <laughs> so um, like doing fancy things to it is just like not easy it doesn't hold a curl it like can't really like do an updo very easily because it's very like thin there aren't a lot of layers to it or volume to like do things with it so my fun thing that I do with it is I dye it silly colors (laughs) (laughs) which is a fun thing (laughs) yeah yeah um I like my purple hair it's fun um so yeah uh like I said you can read about all of the moves that the Mets have made because they have made many moves (laughs) over at amazingavenue.com. We have like sort of breakdowns on all of them. Like uh, Lucas is running. uh, Lucas, Brian and I have been doing like breaking news podcasts about all the moves because there have been so many. We got an official Ken Rosenthal. Oh, no way. Showing interest in Carlos Correa. Oh, my God. (laughs) We're starting to get buzzwords now. Oh, the buzzwords are happening. Showing interest. That's the beginning. Showing interest in Carlos Correa. I can't, if like, if that happens, I will lose my shit. I will laugh. (laughs) I will lose my shit. Like Steve Cohen just doesn't have an off button and it's so great. (laughs) He really is Thanos. (laughs) He really is Thanos. Oh my God. Like, Good Lord. Anyway, that would make this roster so complete. I can't eat. Uh, it's the perfect. It's the perfect fit. It is. It's so oh, stupid. God, that would be just stupid. Anyway, like if that happens, you can read about it on AmazingAvenue.com and we'll do another breaking know. news podcast. If it happens, Lucas, Brian and I will probably do another one. We've been doing them. Um, <laughs> Lucas has been doing transactional analysis, like grades of all the signings. We've been doing getting to know pieces for the new um, the new players that the Mets and the new faces the Mets are bringing in all sorts of breakdowns of everything. It's basically like it's it's Christmas over at Amazing Avenue. We've got so much content for you. Um, so yeah, you can read that all at Amazing Avenue. You can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter and Instagram at a pod of their own and TikTok. We're on TikTok. We haven't really TikToked yet, but we're there. You can follow us there too <laughs> at a pod of their own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Surovich. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, please rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. If the Mets sign Carlos Correa, you will hear about it on the next iteration on a pod of their own. <laughs> Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in pod.